This is Lon Winters with Graphic Elephants. This is Jimmy Lamp. This is Matt Masala with the RidingStoneWorld.com. And you're listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. And you are listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by... My name is Terry Combs RG. Regular guy. And Aaron Montgomery. We're just regular guys having fun and uh, trying to, to make a living in this really cool and exciting industry. I think we all want to succeed 100% of the time. Seek to understand before I try and make myself understood. Bring a ton of great information. Coming to you live from somewhere dark, dirty, and dank. All right. Well, welcome into the show. It is Friday, August 12, 2022. I'm Terry Combs, and you can find me at terrycombs.com. And I'm Aaron Montgomery, and you can find me over at OurSuccessGroup.com. Uh, Terry, today we are going to bring in our intrepid, uh, is that how you say it? Is that the right word? <laughs> he's, yeah. he's probably pissed off at me right now because I told I asked him to add something last minute, right? Let, let's change it up. Let's just change it up. So anyhow, um, we are going to have- <laughs> We had a minute to spare. <laughs> I know, we had a whole minute. Um, so we are going to be bringing on shortly here our amazing producer, Eric Campbell, and uh, I- Terry, you and the regulators are going to find this surprising, but we put together a show kind of last minute and we said, oh gosh, I hope we have enough. And it ended up being a two-parter. I don't know if you've heard of that before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was bizarre. In fact, uh, as I recall, we still had about four-fifths of the information that we didn't get to. <laughs> yes. So well, we may roll we, over again. <laughs> we may. This may be part two of a multi-part series, but uh, part two about, uh, you know, th- these are skills that uh, as business owners we need to have in our repertoire, but they might not specifically relate to being a decorator, right? It, it's not the digitizing. It's not the color separations. It's not how do I code a screen. It's not, you know, the, the pressing of, of heat press type stuff. It's, these are the, I don't know, I guess some people might call them soft skills, Terry. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, uh, when you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's great that you are a great digitizer or, or a great graphic designer, but, you know, to run a business, especially if you have employees and, uh, and to keep, uh, keep the payroll going, there are a lot of other things that you have to do in your business to, to make it successful. So yeah, great idea on uh, Eric's part when, uh, we said, Hmm, our guest isn't going to be here. Uh, What's what's anybody got? <laughs> Eric's like, I've been kicking something around. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so and then we made the mistake of starting with pricing, and uh, that was where uh, it, it went downhill from there. Down so, the rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a great conversation. So go back a couple weeks and check that one out. The non-decorator skills. Uh, part one. So today is going to be part two, and that's what we're talking about. Uh, But let's check in with some of our uh, regulators, uh, as we discussed here just a moment ago. Cindy King, good morning to you. And Chuck, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Chuck, uh, if I could uh, ask you to please start using the uh, quotes around gentlemen. Sorry, Terry, while you're drinking your coffee there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We spit on my microphone. (laughs) Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, Happy Friday to you, Christine, and uh, Mr. David Gross. Good to see you, sir. Good morning. Um, (laughs) And Ramona says, giggle. Uh, We are sillies. Yes, we are going to have some fun as well today, so uh, that's never a problem. And then uh, Kim Johnson, happy Friday. Got some sunshine and some palm trees there. Beautiful day there in Phoenix. I'm sure only 120 degrees or so. I think it's only going to be, let's see, it's only going to be 102 today. It's like spring. (laughs) Wow, do you need a jacket? Um, (laughs) All right. Barb checking in from beautiful north central Minnesota. Thank you for being here. Good morning to Michelle and Mo. Um, 
Wow, here we go. We got James Ortolani. Haven't seen James in a little bit. Good to see you, James. Uh, good morning from beautiful downtown Pittsburgh, Kansas. So, uh, home of Been the uh, yeah. What's the well, Pittsburgh Pitt- Gorillas? Yes, thank you. There you it's go. It's the only <laughs> college team in America with the name Gorillas, and wow. a fine college football team it is. They're uh, all right. They're there we many, go. <laughs> many time champions. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we got used to checking in. Uh, good morning. Hello. Uh, good evening, probably for used to. Uh, Rena. Good morning, and Frank. Good afternoon. He's over there in the UK. Frank, good to see you. And Wendy um, says, morning, playing the can we find the product game while listening. So the <laughs> the intrepid search for uh, blanks. One of these days, those uh, distributors are going to figure out how to get this under control. So hopefully. It is the, the most popular online game right now among garment, garment well, any kind of, uh, any kind of business. <laughs> <laughs> so. it, is, it is definitely the most popular, unpopular game out there. So. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, Tara, we do have uh, a little bit of news items that we wanted to share with everybody here before we get started, before we get Eric in here. So uh, would you like to start us off, please? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Printed United Alliance, which is our trade association now, used to be SGIA, used to be SPAI, used to be, (laughs) yeah, Printed United Alliance. Uh, They've announced the new apparel decoration summit, which uh, I think sounds pretty interesting. Uh, Following the success of the highly engaged summit models produced by Printing United Alliance, including the Inkjet Summit, Wide Format Summit, and Digital Packaging Summit, the Apparel Decoration Summit is designed for senior managers and executives uh, in the uh, decorated apparel space looking to understand how current and future printing technologies, substrate options, market trends, and data management solutions will impact their businesses and investment decisions. This summit will provide strategic level insights into what industry leaders must do to grow, improve, and optimize their businesses. This event will be next year, June 12th through 14th, 2023, at the Lowe's Vanderbilt Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, if you'd like to sign up or get more information about the Apparel Decoration Summit, go to apparellist.com slash summit. And there's the uh, shortened version there on the screen. If you're a podcast listener, that's apparellist.com slash summit. Awesome. Check that out. Uh, it looks like that's going to be a pretty cool event. So uh, we'll have to have to learn more. They, they hit us with that yesterday, and I haven't had a chance to talk to uh, Josh over there yet. Uh, but uh, it sounds like they're pretty excited about that, Terry. So uh, I'm, I, I, will, I will be expecting the, uh, the two regular guys invite to that event. Yeah. In yeah, Nashville, definitely. oh baby! <laughs> yeah, there you go, Nash Vegas, baby. All right, um, <laughs> all right. News item from me, and this is uh, Eric. Thank you for bringing this to the the table here. Fruit of Loom uh, has achieved a forty percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, so Fruit of Loom announced this reduction of gas emissions at its operations, putting the company on track to achieve its goal of reducing scope uh, one and two emissions by fifty percent by. 2030. Uh, This goal was announced in 2021 as part of its science-based target approved by the science-based target initiatives to keep a rise in temperature below 1.5 degrees Celsius. uh, And by 2030, this achievement and more can be found in the 2021 sustainability report. Um, Let me hit a couple of uh, other key highlights of this real quick here. And uh, all Fruit of Loom owned operations 
owned operations are now zero waste facilities. Uh, 64% of the company's global electricity was renewable through a mix of solar and biomass renewables and the purchase of renewable energy credits. Uh, 87% of the cotton used comes from sustainable sources in the U.S., and the company is on track to reach its goal of 100% sustainably sourced cotton by 2025. Uh, Frulum mapped 18% of its Tier 1 supply chain, exceeding its annual phasing goal by 23%. Uh, so if you want to get more information on this, you can head over to graphicspro.com, and there's the short shortened version down in the bottom right hand or left hand side of the screen and then up in the top right you can also scan that qr code if you're listening or or watching the live version up there scan that to go directly there so it's over at graphics-pro and then you'll hit the news and and you can go from there so uh congrats to fruit of loom for uh working towards a pretty pretty cool initiative there terry i think that's uh that's pretty awesome and uh Thanks to uh, Eric for putting that together real quick uh, as we uh, as we were starting the show. <laughs> he, he's like, I don't know if we've got time. We're like, Eric, you've, you've got time. <laughs> we, we'll just we'll talk make slow you while you type. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. Well, James did say uh, Go Gorillas, four-time national D2 football champs. So there you go. That's um, a, a heck of a program down there. Just about an hour and a half south of Kansas City. So. There you go. Awesome. Okay, Terry. So um, we we've been getting dad jokes from uh, from our listeners, from our regulators, and we appreciate that. So keep those coming. But also, um, we want the five things first and foremost. So don't don't let you don't let you. I don't want you to think that you can get off the hook by sending in just a dad joke. All right, you got to send a five things too. But anyway, go ahead, Terry. <laughs> well, do you well, have a five th- or a dad joke? <laughs> I, I, I do. This is uh, this is from our regulator Beth Bendig. Now, uh, when we get dad jokes, uh, there, there's there's a range. Over here, it's oh, that's a groaner. And over here, that's hilarious, but we can't do that on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This one's in the middle. Okay. All right. (laughs) So here it is for Beth. Okay. There are three moles in a tunnel. The first one says, I smell sugar. The second one says, I smell cinnamon. The third one says, I smell molasses. (laughs) Let that sink in for a second, everybody. I smell molasses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, see, Eric couldn't even bring himself to give it the explanation. <laughs> yeah. He says, you don't need me to explain this one. Uh, Beth, uh, I think that was hilarious. I laughed out loud, literally. Yeah, yeah that, that is a good one. And, and Kim Johnson, uh, some facepalm action there. So, yes, it definitely is <laughs> facepalm worthy, but it is hilarious. So that's that's what it's all about, people. That's what dad jokes are. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Aaron. Uh, before we jump in, we want to thank everybody for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. We are always looking for new guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to join us, go to Calendly.com slash two, the number two regular guys and share your show ideas if you are listening to the podcast version of the show please share with all your friends so they can become regulators too we would appreciate you giving us a review this is really important to us on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, stitcher amazon podcast or wherever you do your podcast listening we are everywhere and if you're watching us live right now especially today please join in with your comments and questions yeah, definitely. And and podcast listeners, yeah, if you listen live, do you also subscribe to the podcast? You can you can do that over at tworegularguys.com and that way, you know, you, you miss one or you want to go back, there was something in there. 
um, you know, you want to listen while you're printing or, or something like that. You know, we, we hear a lot of that. So I'm curious what uh, you live listeners are. Are you also podcast subscribers to regularguys.com? So, um, all right, Terry. Well, let's, uh, we've got to get Eric in here. Otherwise we will have a four part series and never get part two done. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's hear a quick word uh, this Saturday. In fact, tomorrow at three o'clock, I've got an unlock your potential workshop coming up and I want to make sure everybody's aware of it. I think this is a really cool opportunity. So uh, if we could uh, play that commercial real quick, Eric. Hi, I'm Kylene. And I'm Aaron from Our Success Group. We understand that feeling of knowing something is holding you back. Are you watching others succeed and wondering what they have that you don't? There's a secret locked away inside of each of us, yet we never think about fixing it because it has to be something external from ourselves. It is the limiting belief that everyone wants to just push aside and try to hustle and grind harder to get there. But the truth is, those limiting beliefs are keeping you from asking for help or doing the action needed to move your business forward. The sooner you can identify what's holding you back, the sooner you will start achieving your goals. Head on over to OurSuccessGroup.com forward slash unlock and click the turquoise button, learn the magic to unlock your potential. We hope you make this investment in yourself and unlock your potential so you can find more meaning and success in your life. Okay. Well, definitely check that out. Again, happening tomorrow at 3 o'clock Central Time. And uh, would love to have you join us. We've got a, a group of people already uh, slated to join us. So it, it'll be a, a wonderful experience. And um, if you go to OurSuccessGroup.com forward slash unlock, you can register. We actually do it every month. So if, if Saturday afternoon is not right for you, we try to switch up the days and time. So there's got to be one in there for you. And uh, for you guys that are tuned in here and, and listening, I'm going to give you a, a little... Um, discount that I wasn't planning on here, but if you'll use the code thankful, that'll actually save 50% of the price. So it's not much of an investment to begin with. We, we feel this is so valuable that we want to get it out there. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll even knock another uh, 50% off of that. So just use that code thankful. Eric, you are amazing. Thank you, sir. Um, okay. Well, speaking of Eric, Terry, um, let's get Mr. Amazing in here. Uh, right. So I'm going to bring him in if you are ready, sir. Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Hey, All right. Hey, can I give you a warning? Uh, internet here in in my part of town has been kind of sketchy the last couple of days. So if you lose me, All right. uh, that's why. <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best. I think we can cover. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric Campbell is an award-winning machine embroidery digitizer and designer, frequently contributing to embroidery industry resources, including hosting his weekly show, The Take Up, a must-watch uh, every Friday afternoon. Eric has done many jobs in the industry, from creating and managing e-commerce properties to social media and marketing to establishing and managing relationships between vendors and industry businesses. Eric is an evangelist for the craft, a stitch-obsessed embroidery believer, and and firmly holds to consistent lifelong learning and the free exchange of techniques and experience through conversations with his fellow embroiderers. He's also the producer and a frequent contributor to this popular podcast, Two Regular Guys, uh, where he lends his unique embroidery experience to the mix and makes it amazing. Welcome into the show, Mr. Eric Campbell. You have to push the button yourself. 
<laughs> still on the clock what the heck yeah exactly that's like saying it's open <laughs> come on in come on in that's too much lead up now i don't know if i can deliver on that yeah you, <laughs> i'm sure you can the bar is yes yeah we know you can all right well terry right. how do we want to get this started here well you know uh th this is going to carry on from part one that we did what was it about a month ago and yeah. and uh we had nine areas we were going to talk about we did one <laughs> <laughs> so that said, uh, Eric, you want to catch people up? Uh, what what were some of the the chief takeaways from the last time we uh, we had this conversation? You know, I think without bringing pricing too far into it, I will literally try and cut some of that off because pricing <laughs> becomes everything every time we talk about it. Yeah. I will say a lot of it was about uh, values people hold for themselves and about how we react to things. I mean, a lot of it really ended up being about. Uh, valuing yourself as well as the the core stuff like knowing your business knowing your numbers stuff like that so yeah. i think there's something because we were talking about soft skills we kind of tried to bring it outside of just you know the, the excel spreadsheet territory much as we must you know we we do love some of that stuff uh we kind of went further about you know what do people think about value and then we got into at the last moment some stuff that i think we're kind of going to bridge into today which is yeah. the uh, the curiosity we have to have as people who are in the business to learn and continue not only to grow in our businesses and in all of our skills but kind of maintaining that curious beginner mindset with everything which also kind of lets us off the hook to get where we need to go in all these processes and then we started to get into communication and i think that's the thing i i know personally i think that all of the good things that have come out in my career that are perhaps beyond the norm beyond what anybody else gets from what they're doing these things are all surrounded around kind of communication whether it's blogging early on in my career whether it's education as we all do at the trade shows whether it's the podcasting or honestly just interactions with people i think a lot of what made me successful in some of the things i've done or at least things that have brought me success and honestly just made it more possible for me to do the things i've done in the industry uh, and in business to just to get jobs to secure clients is really about focusing on both clear communication like managing mundane things like information about orders stuff like that even business management uh business and order management and opening up communication thinking about how i talk to and make myself understood with customers and kind of thinking about viewpoints so i feel like those are the things we kind of started into that can continue on through and are through lines so it's like understanding where you are where you come from what you need and where you're going what your goals are and what that means to you and then understanding that uh you're in a process of growing you're continuing to grow you're not fixated on something you used to be or used to do combine that with the concept that all of what we do to one degree or another is about the interactions between people and how they're communicating even to the point of how they're expressing themselves and we got to think about despite the fact that a lot of what we do is promotional uh, anytime you're decorating something it's being it is meant to be seen it's meant to be communicating something to the viewer so thinking about communications and how not only we present ourselves but how we help other people you know foster communications of their own is really what we're all about yeah exactly i don't know how we were only able to get through one weird Right. <laughs> yeah, I think and that's the show for today, there. folks. <laughs> yeah. Get you right, on the no, take up later on. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, this topic forever. Uh, yeah, that's no. right. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, you're so right, Eric. I, the you know, thinking back myself, the the key takeaway that that you know really stood out to me for for the pricing was the fact that we have to charge what we're worth, 
right? And, yeah. and, and we, we don't value what we do. We don't value the, uh, enough of the skill side of it, right? We, we're like, sure. oh, we do this every day, so it's second nature to us, and, and we don't realize that that's a value that we're providing. So we, like, like you said, we could talk about that ad nauseum forever. So let's, sure. let's keep moving forward. And I know you started getting us into, um, and, and looking at the list here, I'm going, yeah, this is a three-parter for sure. Um, but <laughs> yeah. we'll get I was already looking ahead. To, what should we skip? Cause I'd like to get to this one. <laughs> I, think, sure. I would like for you guys to jump in. I know I'm technically a guest here, but <laughs> I'd like drive this thing. Like I always say on the take up, I'm like, if somebody want, has a passion for a topic, like roll with it. Honestly, that's part of also what works with customers. You get them on a place where they have passion for what they're doing. They, buy more stuff i, I yeah. mean yes as callous as that sounds here i am trying to get you to buy more stuff but yeah <laughs> sometimes you get people excited about something that's where they live too that's their purpose yeah. too that's right that's right yeah. well okay well yeah so we're bridging that Let, let's start talking about this kind of wider topic you know customer interaction and and really marketing right it, yes. is, is kind yes. of what that is right so uh, th these soft skills right these non-decoration sure. skills how how can we put them to work? What are they, right? How do they come up in the marketing and things like that? So maybe just start us off there, Eric. Well, I think what I, the first point I want to make is something, and honestly, we've had our, our good friend Jay Bissell come on talk about branding very often. Whenever we talk about marketing, everybody's really focused. They're like, okay, it's Facebook ads. It's whatever. It's social ads. Mm -hmm. It's this. It's that. It's conventional marketing. Whatever it is, they think about advertising and broadcasting. Whereas I would like all of us to think about marketing in the terms of uh, branding. And in that case, branding is not just logos and shops, shirts, and all the stuff that we think of when we think about branding. Sure. It's everyone's perception of who we are. Our brand is actually what the client's perception of who you are and what you can do is and the perception of your culture. And a bunch of that is also in customer interaction. People don't think about the fact that every part of the interaction you have with a customer, every part of what they think of their interaction with you, their ability to get work done with you, how they feel, and yes, I'm going to use feely words, how they feel, once again, we're talking soft skills, uh, in working with you is your brand, is part of your brand. And so when we talk about customer interaction and marketing, to a degree, they're a lot of the same thing. And I, I would say, even now, in an age where we have of infinite options for marketing. And trust me, as somebody who does a bunch of e-commerce marketing, it feels like infinite options. <laughs> uh, word of mouth and referral is still super important in the decoration industry. I yeah. continually hear people say, oh yeah, no, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing marketing, I've got newsletters, all this stuff, I'm doing funnels. And then they stop and say, well, but I'd still say a large percentage of my business is coming from word of mouth and referrals. Well, word of mouth and referrals are all going to come from people who have had customer interactions with you they had, had interactions with you that are yeah. valuable to them that somehow put you ahead of the people around you and a lot of that is about soft skills it's about are you a good listener have you been able to listen and focus on what they're doing have you what i always call is uh, taking the risk to care because when i came into business there was still this attitude uh, I had certain folks, I had some salespeople and some people above me when I first came into this business who were like, nope, we have this very like 1980s, like chrome and glass CEO attitude where I have to be super executive and everything is a pitch. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like Gordon Gecko. It's like, agreed, <laughs> it's good. Everybody was out there just trying to be this really glossy professional brochure version of themselves. And I stopped and said, okay, you the way you actually get this done is more like a general store over the barrel head talking to the guy down the street. 
you have to care about the thing that they bring to you and you have to care about their business in order to fully engage. And the funny thing was with the advent of social media, that was scalable. It, it was like having social interactions and caring about your customers somehow became scalable and became possible on an, a universal basis as well mm -hmm. as a one-on-one -on -one basis in a way that wasn't before. Yeah. So it's not that this old school mentality is funny enough, also the new, new school mentality. You have to take the risk haha, ha, to care about your customer enough to actually listen to what they're saying and care about what you're doing and how it affects their business, especially when we're talking about business to business or promotional products. Yeah, We yeah. should be caring about their result and how their business is doing. I know somebody would say, well, how do you remember all that? And it, it's not saying you have to do the whole thing with your like business cards. You're trying to remember everybody's kids. I know that's the old school idea of it. Honestly, you know, CRM does help get some, <laughs> get some customer <laughs> management. You look like a, a hero every time you under, you remember stuff from old orders that you quote unquote remember as you're sitting in front of your, you know, multi-thousand dollar <laughs> system that tells you all this stuff, but taking that quote unquote risk to care and honestly just listening. And part of that customer interaction is questioning people thoroughly on the stuff they need to know, making them feel comfortable. Like I said, really listening, and I mean, honest to goodness, learning to do active listening and talking to people is a big deal. And then trying to make that whole process as frictionless as possible from the concept to approvals to the order getting done. Yeah. At every stage, we have to say, what is it that we can do that's going to make the other person's life easier? Trust me, every step you take toward that, even minimal steps, uh, will result in gains. I, I know certainly a lot of our e-commerce got better when we realized part of the concept was how can we fit into the way an organization's already running? The easy one is like, hey, you got somebody doing group sales for schools. Can you package everything individually for the kid with a kid's name so the person who's distributing it doesn't have to hunt through a box for stuff? Can you do that? If you can do that, you can charge more for it. And the person loves you who's in purchase and then they come back over and over again. But if you do that and then add in, okay, I've got an online store where they can pay individually so that person doesn't have to chase money anymore. Those pieces of the customer interaction don't feel like marketing or branding, but your brand will be, oh, that's the person that takes care of it all. That's my yeah. guy who solves problems, not that's my shirt guy. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can expand more when you think about it that way. You know, uh, it's it's funny when you were saying that because I was thinking back to uh, many, 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 many hundreds of trade shows and and other sales opportunities and how often I've said to to sales reps, uh, just stop talking. You need to stop talking. <laughs> I know you have your spiel, but but that that person they they were they they had a credit card in their hand please stop telling them the benefits of this product <laughs> just stop <laughs> talking you know and, and uh it, it, because some people you know they I've, I've got to say i mean i've got i've got my elevator pitch and i got to say it all I, I yeah hold on to that credit card for just a second let me finish telling you my story <laughs> yeah let me talk you out of this yeah, yeah so exactly did you right. learn that when i was your sales manager terry i don't remember I, I don't no, probably not. Exactly. I don't think you probably learned anything from me, but um, you taught me everything. That was the great part of our relationship. <laughs> we, we, we did we did work with a few people where I I, I gave them that advice at trade shows. Yes. How do you how do you sell so much at shows and I don't sell anything? Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about too. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, so let, let's let's uh, we've got Barb over here at here, Eric. I'll push buttons. You you okay. just talk. Okay. okay? I was we about got, to 
push buttons, Mel. I'll let yeah, you. you're good. So Barb <laughs> says, uh, I would say at least 85% of my business is word of mouth. Uh, Wendy shared a referral is 90% for new, but so you 85, 90%. Yeah. And it also qualifies new clients versus I have a shirt idea. And that means one shirt, right? I mean, it's so let's, let's talk about that for a second here too, real quick. I've got a, I made a couple of notes as you were talking there, Eric. Sure. Um, so thinking about this word of mouth idea, right? So you've got two successful decorators here telling us that 85 to 90% of their business is word of mouth. Yeah. Well, the reality is, is, is that like you said, right? That's what it's all about. It's not, you know, it's not this latest and greatest Facebook funnel or, or, you know, whatever I have to go, um, figure out how to sell on Amazon if, and I've never done it before, that kind of thing. Right. But that's what I think people kind of get drawn to. It's this magic bullet, right? You know, word of mouth takes, like you said, the risk of caring, taking that opportunity to really kind of put, put your care hat on and, and wear that empathy hat and, and things like that. And, and yeah, it's, it's not a magic bullet. It's not like, you know, word of mouth is going to get you a whole bunch of sales tomorrow, but it will build up over time. And, and I think what happens for people though, is they get it, the oh, shiny object that somebody's got this thing that they you are going to 10 X my sales, which is all baloney, right? <laughs> large. Yes. Yeah. But so I, I guess that's the thing I wanted to share. Like I had, a, I was working with some uh, folks inside of our success group and, and they were like, Oh, you know, I, I need to get a, a Shopify store set up and I need to figure out how to sell on Etsy. And I said, I said to him, I said, well, okay, so hold on a second. The business that you've gotten so far has, where have those things come from? You know, like basically asking what's worked for you already. Why are you not focused on amplifying what works? Right. So then once you build that up, then you can start going, okay, how can I slowly move into some of these other things as opposed to saying, okay, I have to take all my eggs out of this basket and put it into this other basket because somebody said, you know, having a e-commerce store was what every decorator needs to do. You know, I I think it's great for to have an e-commerce site, but is it required for all decorators to be successful? Not at all. Right. So, so I guess I want to hear your, your guys's take on that side of it too. Right. Because to me, word of mouth has to become a strategy. It has to become a, a tactic, something you build into your business. So I, I know there's a lot to unpack there. So go ahead, Eric. <laughs> well, I think honestly, well, here, here's what I'll say is that no matter what you're doing, there should be a little bit of strategy to it. And I don't mean that we're going to have to do analysis on everything before we try it, but just being everywhere because you should quote unquote, is not always the best way to go. In fact, what people often do is stretch themselves too thin and they're not really on any of these platforms or they're not really paying attention to their stores or they're not managing these things. And then they just look dead in the water and they don't really get the attention they need. So whatever you can give energy to is going to be better off than other things that you don't. But funny thing is, if you think about even word of mouth or you think about new kinds of advertising or social or, hey, TikTok, why why does TikTok take off for some folks? Earnest, quick, responses where they share exactly what they're trying to share and often they're off the cuff and they're very human and personal and i think that's part of it we have to be able to develop our voice and be i mean we always talk about the elevator pitch but i don't like the elevator pitch as much as uh building confidence in what you're selling and what you mean and what you're trying to do and being able to just say that and express that we we add that to the social proof part of it and that's the word of mouth part so even if we're talking Mm -hmm. about social media or something else if we can capture somebody and give them something that they want to share, and if you can vibe with somebody who says, yep, those are the kind of people I like, or those are the kind of products I like, and I want to share that stuff, that's 
that's impressive marketing in of itself. But the thing is, it the channel isn't necessarily always whatever's newest, whatever's the latest, whatever makes the most you know the, the most noise. Because if your people aren't there, it's not going to work. I'll say this: uh, let's say you have whatever it is. Your club demographic happens to be people who are uh, sixty plus. For whatever it is, your club, your people are there. TikTok may or may not be the best place to go <laughs> and market right now. Facebook's probably a better way to go. But, even but it's Facebook, all the rage, Eric. I have to do it. <laughs> I got it. The demographics don't say that's necessarily there. Are there people on there? Absolutely. Uh, are there people who are older like myself messing around with TikTok? Yes, they exist. But at the same time, it may or may not be the top place for you to be. Um, if your people aren't there, then you're not going to get <laughs> social proof from that. Like, yeah. And that's the funny thing. I've actually talked to people about that. With like, I, the one of the social media places that I don't spend time that I used to, Pinterest. There are some people out there who are using Pinterest strategically and making money on Pinterest. I just couldn't bring myself to do it, and I didn't have a, a following there. I could spend all my time making Pinterest boards um, if I don't use that. And also, here's the thing. Even if you do use it. Let's say you're someone who does then use it strategically. You have to share stuff. You have to bring it up. And part mm -hmm. of this whole thing is being able to communicate yourself clearly too and, and making a case for any of the things you do. Just putting a tool out there or being in a channel is no guarantee people will be there. And even if you are on a channel, you are in an area, you're going to have to promote that stuff. So yeah. part of it is very much like we talked about with pricing. You have to be able to believe in your message and believe in your product, believe in yourself and be willing to get out there and say something. And that's not always easy for everybody. Yeah, but it's yeah. important. What, and I'll I'll say that I know Terry, I'm cutting right. you off, but <laughs> you can jump in here in just one second I, because I, I want to just piggyback on that real quick because you're right. We have to be able to communicate. And I will say this: ninety nine point nine percent of all the people out there um, do not share what they're doing, what they're passionate about, what they have coming up, right? What what you know, how they help people enough. And because, yeah. yeah, we think that we're too much and we don't want to be overly do too much. The three of us, I would say, are even included in that 99.9%, right? It's you feel like you don't want to kind of be intrusive, but in the world that we live in today, that's what it's all about, right? It's the attention. In fact, you know, this goes back. It's like you see the same commercial over and over again. And yes, it gets annoying, but at the same time, that works, right? So it, it is a matter of, of making sure that we're out there sharing enough with enough confidence that because you're bringing a, a service, you're bringing value to other people. And if you don't share, you are now stealing away their opportunity to be able to get that product or service from you, right? And it's not that you're stealing their attention. It doesn't go the other way around. If you're not sharing enough, you're stealing people's um, a possibility to get something that could be of value to them, but you have to believe in that enough. So anyhow, yeah. I, I just wanted to kind of keep that rolling. But Terry, what were some of your thoughts on word of mouth? Well, I, and, I, and Aaron, I, or Eric, you touched on this right at the beginning of what you were saying, uh, being authentic. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, there's, uh, there are folks out there that, that they'll be online and they're, they're sham wow. You know, they're, they got the, <laughs> the hands going and, 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 and it's, it's who they are, but then they bring a guest on and say, you do it too. And, and it's, it's, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not authentic. You could, you, you watch it and it's painful to watch because it's not them. And, yeah. and, you know, that, and that's not just, you know, on a, on TikTok or whatever, that's in, that's in, in sending emails or, or, you know, it, it has to be you because 
because if when somebody knows, well, you mentioned Jay Bissell. Yeah. Jay is this guy. Jay is 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 in your yeah. face. Jay is yeah. bam, bam. And so um that works for him in, in yeah. everything he does, but I can't duplicate that because it's not authentic for me. It's yeah. me pretending to be Jay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that yeah. that sort of thing. So so and, yeah. and I think people I think people see that and it's got to it's got to work for you so you can't go out and buy the book on here is how you sell and then and then drop in your customer's name into into all those things in the book because it's not you so and and i have one more thing to add here before we um you guys comment you know how word of mouth works and i and i know a decorator who's doing about five million dollars in sales right now and he he said to me terry i've never advertised for our podcast listeners i'm doing air quotes (laughs) (laughs) he said all word of mouth now did did he start out doing five million dollars no he was in his kitchen uh decorating but here's how he went from his kitchen to five million dollars doing good work delivering on time doing good work delivering on time because word of mouth only works if you are doing good work and deliver on time maybe maybe doing something a little bit unique in in what mm-hmm. you do and and uh, you know uh I, one of you guys mentioned uh can you uh, uh you know can you put every the kid's name on everything and make it easy for me to sell that's what the five million dollar guy does it's just his services are just start to finish all all somebody has to do is say send this item to this customer and and he does all the rest and it's beautifully packaged and it's like getting an iphone when you open up one of his boxes you know it's like you slowly peel it away and i can't (laughs) throw this box away now because it's just too cool so i'm gonna put it on my shelf over here so um you know do good work deliver on time be who you are there you go. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, that's, I think that's something that people miss though. And I will, I will say this, it doesn't mean we all have to be the same version of this. And I'll say from working in shops that had multiple salespeople, I think the, the funniest thing I ever noticed was that we had different people and I'm not going to name names. So anybody who's out there, hopefully you don't get offended by what I'm about to say. If you decide <laughs> that if you decide that the personality I'm describing is you, then that's your choice. <laughs> but we, th- There was a time in which I worked with three or four salespeople at a time who were all working at a customer apparel shop. And we had one who was very sweet and flirty with people and very hangy and loved on people and was very uh, personable. And we had uh, another person who uh, was very business-like, but also was about making deals and helping people out. We had another guy who was uh, from back East and he kind of was very kind of in with himself, kind of forward about things, but he definitely had kind of a, a, you know, a you and me get it kind of personal network kind of vibe. And then we had a guy who absolutely abused his customers. And I mean, he abused his customers. He told them their ideas were stupid. He told them that the stuff wasn't going to work and he told them they needed to pay more. And he did it violently sometimes. <laughs> and what I'm going to tell you that's going to shock you is after all the stuff I just said, there were different clients who liked every one of those personalities and gravitated toward them, including the guy who abused the customers. Like there was a clientele, there was a tribe that wanted someone to tell them your idea is stupid. Let me fix that for you. Here's your dumb idea back better. There was a client for that. I'm not yep. saying everybody's going to be that way. And personally, I haven't seen that work as often. I was always shocked when someone would There's a restaurant for that. 
Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there is. Uh, there's more than one now. The funny thing everybody knows about Dick's that restaurant. There's yeah. one called Karen's that's very similar, and you can oh. imagine exactly how that goes. <laughs> okay. Go. Um, suffice it to say, there. It doesn't mean that your personality has to be the same carbon copy of any personality, including ours, uh, to to do whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to get across. But there is something about some authenticity in it, though you do have to understand that you know, maybe there's not as much market for being abused <laughs> about your T-shirt order. But there's people for every kind of personality and every kind of uh, setup. It's more about understanding what the customer needs and looking for that base. That's the thing. If if the guy who was rough with people went out and was looking toward the more marshmallow clients and just was you know running roughshod through clients who did not like that kind of communication, he's never going to win. There's no chance. You have to understand that there's a group of people who wants what you want and there's a group of people who doesn't. And if you continually try to like browbeat people into liking your way of doing things, it's probably not going to go very well. Um, there is a certain part of that. And I'll say this, uh, backpacking back on Terry's comment about, you know, the $5 million growth guy who's doing everything end to end. If you're, that's the thing, you have to know your customer to do that. That takes listening. Some of the bigger clients we, uh, we used to service at some of the shops I worked at, it really came down to going to a customer interview and saying, all right, what was the biggest problem you've been having so far getting this done? What made it you crazy about getting decorated apparel for your employees or getting uniforms done in the last six months? Or why are you talking to us right now? Cause I know you've had somebody else. You're an established business. I know you're, I see people wearing a, a uniforms right now. Why are we having a meeting right now? And what does that mean to you? And what is the dream interaction? What would be awesome? Like, let's say, you just want what is it you want to work in a certain way how would your best version of getting to the end result be for you yeah and if you find out that some of the stuff at first you might go that some of it sounds outlandish some people really are like oh free shirts of course there's always that person who's going to be a dork let's <laughs> say something like that most of the time it's little stuff like uh, you know i used to try and contact them on a monday and they never got back to me till friday or, uh, you know, it's a real pain to do the order forms that we currently have, and I wish I had something online. And you find out that that order form, setting up one online order form for this client, suddenly, you know, pulls this, you know, massive million dollar client off yeah. of somebody else's roles just because no one ever asked them if there was a better way. Yeah. So it's, it, it, listening's huge. Yeah. I, I have a similar story. I don't know if, if I yeah. told the candy bar story, the, the candy company, the label company I work for. I'll I'll, I'll tell the quick brief version of that. So ten, ten years and we have a new story. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I swear to God, I know I've told this story somewhere before. <laughs> the fact that I haven't told one here is is shocking <laughs> to me. But um, yeah, so I was working as a commission only salesman for a digital printing company and, and a label, uh, and they they produce labels as well. And I kept showing up at this one place over and over again. I kept getting turned away. It, it was a company that made candy. Um, there locally, this was in the Colorado Springs area. And I mean, this went on for, you know, s several years, probably of me calling, getting turned away at the door, you know, kind of over and over and over again. Finally, one day I call, you know, just kind of, it was in one of those situations where it's like, yep, here's another no. Okay. And I'm just trying to get through the no's. I'm like, I, oh, this is always a no. I'm going to call that person. And I, I, and they're like, yeah, come on in. I'm like, oh crap. I had plans this afternoon, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and so I come on in and I, and I get this massive order from them. Like you were just talking about Eric. And, and I'm like, you know, so finally I had the courage to go, okay, well, here's the deal. I've been calling on you for like two years and have been told no over and over again. What, what, 
was the difference? What what changed? Why why am I all of a sudden getting this business? And they said, well, we've been using the same company for a long time, and and uh, you know we were happy with them. We didn't want to change, um, but uh, we just got their Christmas present. And uh, it was a box of chocolates from our biggest competitor. <laughs> and, and so, like you said, right, just, you know, be smart. Think about who it is that you're you're dealing with. And, and, you know, and for me, it was just showing up and being consistent, being persistent and, and right place at the right time. Right. So every year when it came time to send our best customers Christmas presents after that, I was very clear about the fact that <laughs> I was the only one going to find a Christmas present for them. <laughs> well, and I mean, think about this for a minute. Isn't this just the epitome of that blanket attitude saying one size fits all. We grabbed a bunch of chocolate from the same supplier and we sent it to every single person on our rolls yeah. instead of thinking about my, what might be useful. Now I know that's a time investment, but it makes a difference. I can't tell you how many little technicalities or things like that. I've seen people lose jobs over. One of my favorites is uh, misspelling someone's name in your reply email. <laughs> I have gotten clients from it and I have had people where, trust me, that little H on the end of my name, I sometimes can tell. I'm like, I can tell if you care. Why? <laughs> because if you just, if you roll with uh, Eric with a K or Eric with a C, most of the time I'm looking at that going, okay, you're not super detail oriented. It's a, th and I try not to make that. It doesn't make me close out entirely, but if you don't think that I, I feel that little tally in my head sometimes, sometimes I do. Yeah, people, absolutely. People who take care and think about things do things like make sure they spell your name right or try yeah. and, you know, try to address you the way you would like to be addressed. Or mm -hmm. let's say this, this is the other thing too. If you're a customer or if you're, you have a customer uh, inlet form right now and it says, how would you prefer to be contacted? And they say text instead of email or calling, don't call them. Yeah. <laughs> don't call them unless you literally must, unless it's an emergency with an order. If it's just on their intake and you've decided that you like calling better, after you asked them how they would like to be contacted, that's a bad call. Trust oh, me, yeah. they will never they, answer. They gave the wrong answer. answer. No, I'm calling you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Don't, I mean, like don't I said, call me. That's right. I, I'm hey, right hey, there I, with you. I do have a I do have a quick story. I know I've oh, I've told all my stories before, but uh, so when I was in college, Kim earmuffs. <laughs> when I was in college, I I did an internship at an ad agency in Chicago, and uh, the uh, the the ad rep that I worked with there, he uh, was laughing and telling me uh, how I got that job. And, and uh, he said it was between me and, and another student um, who was actually the president of the ad club at Ohio university. And, uh, and, but I got the job anyway, because the president of the company was sitting there looking at both of our resumes and this uh, this ad rep goes, he grabs one of them, wads it up and throws it in the trash. And he goes, well, what did you do that for? He spelled my name wrong. <laughs> so I got the job. <laughs> there you go. There you and go. I think the funny thing is we can actually bring this back to the whole like communicating and branding thing, too, because it's when we're really selling something. I understand that we all believe in our products and I know that we think that our printing or our embroidery is the best ever. And you have to kind of pump yourself up and believe that. But to an outside viewer, as long as we hit a certain threshold of quality and delivery, our products are pretty similar, especially if they're bringing the art and we're reproducing their art. If we're not adding something more creative to it, our products can be pretty similar. What do you think divides the experience between us and someone else? Someone says, oh, great customer service. That's the bar of entry. Being a decent human to your customer <laughs> is the bar of entry. No, no medals. No medals for just being decent. Sorry. <laughs> but 
what is it that gets you past that or differentiates you? A lot of it is care for their communications. How honestly your personality and how you carry yourself. It, it's your own creative spin on things. It's your branding. It's yeah. also, like we said, your customer interaction. That's what's going to separate you when the field is close. Don't get me wrong. You offer something other people don't offer. Now you have something that can set you ahead and it can be about product again. Yeah. But in the space where a lot of us are, which is like business to business decorating or even business to consumer decorating, where we are going to put a thing on a garment that can look pretty even from the outside. Yeah. Even if we yeah. know the difference between what we do and someone, what someone else does, the customer doesn't always. But what may not look different from, you know, or what may look different, what may stand out is the way we communicate, the way we take care of people. And honestly, having that confidence in what we're doing and, and able, being able to communicate what we do to someone and maybe communicate those differences so that they get it. Um, yeah. and, and doing so in a way that makes sense for them. It's the same thing with niches, by the way. I think we yeah. are kind of the next thing we wanted to talk about, which I know we'll probably not get to was finding your niche. And I think it's a lot like finding your tribe in the way we talked about earlier with communication and yeah. with the way we serve people. Yeah. Well, and Eric, I, I say this all the time. Like like mm. you said, what we do as far as the product decoration side of it, yeah, I mean, you know, it, definitely there's going to be different levels and things like that. But at the, at, at the end of the day, you're kind of splitting hairs with that. So you could have somebody, and, and Barb talked about in this comment here, you know, that mm. she bring on the competition right and so yeah. you could have so let's say you're a brick and mortar shop and you're you're on main street and you do embroidery and screen printing right you could have somebody that plops themselves right next door for some reason the building's the exact same they have all the same equipment they do embroidery and they do screen printing and um it, you're like, oh gosh, that's the same. No, it's not. It's not at all the same company because what makes you unique is going back to what we talked about with brand, right? What What is your brand? Um, Kim Johnson had a, a quote that she loves. I got to go find it. It's a little ways up here, but uh, where did it go? Kim Johnson. Thank you. you. Eric. <laughs> See, even when he's not supposed to. All right. So he, she says, one of my favorite quotes, your smile is your logo. Your personality is your business card. And the way you make others feel is your trademark. I mean, and, and that's what a brand is for sure. So um, I, I think that's really important to, uh, for people to understand, you know, right. And, and that is finding your niche, right? Your niche is people that will identify and be attracted by your personality. Right. Oh, you yeah. know, People, people want to make finding their niche way too hard. You know, oh, it's got to be this softball community, blah, blah. No, it doesn't. It, it can be a specific kind of person that is attracted to how you interact. You know, it, it's going to be a passion area of yours, right? So really what a niche is, is you've got these circles of things. You've got what you're passionate about. You've got what your values are. And then you've got, you know kind of what falls in between those things kind of becomes your your niche market in a lot of ways so i know i know we're going to talk a little bit more about that so let's hold on because i think we can get to niche and then i think the other part because it does make another segment i think it does become part three of this by the way just <laughs> throwing that out there now um so if i can go back and no to part three <laughs> I, I just want to go back and talk about authenticity, which sure. Terry was talking about and, and sure. kind of go a little bit deeper on that, because here's what I have discovered, though, Terry. Mm -hmm. So you talked about, yeah, you know, you're not going to be Jay Bissell. You know, you're going to be Terry Combs. Uh, but I think what some people do is they use that going, well, that's just not who I am. Right. So when we talk about how much you share and how much you put your stuff out there 
that that is not a, a personality trait to not be able to share. When we're passionate about something, it doesn't matter how quiet of a person you are. I mean, I've I've met the most quiet kind of internal people ever. And as soon as you get them talking about something that they really care about, they talk just as much as the rest of us. Right. And 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 so you can't use this authentic, you know, well, that's not who I am thing as a crutch. You have to still put yourself out there. Now, you might not be somebody that's going to go do live videos like this all the time, or you're not going to be, you know, standing behind um, a stage with a thousand people on or something like that. And that's okay. But you still have to figure out a way to share more and share authentically who you are. So if you're more of a one-on-one type person, well, then you got to get your butt to work getting out there in front of as many people as you can, as often as you can, you got to find a way. Okay. Well, you need to go, you know, set up and and be part of a chamber or something like that. Right. So figuring out how to share more, um, is super important. And, and I just, I think it's important to share with people that don't use this. Oh, that's not who I am thing as a crutch. So what what are your, what's your guys' take on that? Maybe Terry, because I stole off what you were talking about there and then Eric, you can fill in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you can't just say, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a meek, quiet person. So I am, uh, I'm not going to reach out to, to customers. And, you know, uh, I I think an example, a great example is equipment zone. Um, Equipment Zone has a an office outside of New York City, and Equipment Zone has an office here in Tempe, Arizona. Um, the The sales force in in um, in the New York City area operates differently than the sales force here. We're mm-hmm. we're all a little more West Coast or Midwest type of folks, and 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 um, we we don't want to you know call too many times, and we don't want to. Uh, uh, you know, get it, get in, um, make people feel like, Hey, he's, uh, you know, they're desperate for business. They just, they keep calling me, but uh, you know, there's recognized styles, but that doesn't mean that, that both, uh, sales forces aren't very, very successful. They are, they just uh, approach it from a different way, but, and, and as well, still get out there in front of the customers and still, uh, take your skills and, and your authentic self and and that's that's the way you make your presentation, but but you still got to make your presentation. Is that what you're getting at? Aaron? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, because I've heard that way too often. Well, you know, that's just not not me. Okay. Well, if you want to be a successful business owner, you need to figure out what authentic you is. And like, like Terry just said, make your presentation, right? Figure out. So yeah, like I said, it might not be live video. It might not be, you know, something that you think other people do, right? Like, you know, you're not going to go be Jay Bissell, but you certainly are going to be, you know, Terry Combs and you're going to present in your way. And, and I guess the step that I'm uh, trying to get at, and I think you, you kind of shared that Terry was you can't let authenticity be your crutch you have to actually use that and figure out how you can amplify who you are and I, the word that i always use is amplify so i, I you know however you want to kind of roll from that so eric what are your thoughts there well there's a couple different thoughts i mean i think we've talked about all this before with both find your niche customer interaction whatever it is we talk about authenticity but there is something i've said to people a million times and funny enough it's in the craft to business chain where people come from uh, craft or art into becoming pro decorators. I used to see this a lot more, not as much now. It, with the rise of online merch ma- marketing, everybody seems to be making a little store. So it's not as much now, but there still can sometimes be this this kind of hesitancy to do business. And I finally tell people, 
at the end, I'm like, well, if you want to sell things, you're going to do business, you're going to do sales. Yeah. There is an amount of business that needs to be done. If you're someone who's like, oh, I can't fill out a tax form. That's I, that, I just can't. Well, you're going to have to, or you're going to have to find somebody who will. Yeah. And that's also possible with marketing. You can find a super outgoing person who likes to share, who still vibes with the rest of what your company and your purpose is about. And you can build a team of people. You can hire people to do that if you can afford that at the stage that you're in in your business. These are things you can also outsource to some degree. But in the end, I think that when we're talking about how we set each other or set ourselves apart or how we develop kind of a unique culture, that part of that is being authentically who you are. However, I'm going to make one kind of weird contrary point here. In doing e-commerce, I have made multiple businesses where I, I create a store to a purpose that communicates in the style of the customer that I'm trying to court. And it's not branded the same way as my main store. It's fully okay. If you have multiple businesses that you're running or multiple product lines, or let's just say you're courting a particular client to say, I am going to still be the authentic person I am behind the scenes. I'm still going to be giving the kind of service I give. You are here for me because that's what you want. However, in let's say in marketing and active branding and the kind of things that we traditionally consider branding, it's totally fine to have multiple storefronts that are fulfilled by your store with the same quality execution and care that have branding or logos or styles or ways of communicating that vibe with the customer that they're supposed to be attaching to. Um, traditional marketing is still somewhat present there and still necessary. And I'll say certainly there's a very different vibe when you are selling directly to uh, sportsmen and this different vibe when you're selling to a hospital chain and a different vibe when you're selling direct to customer and if you're selling to uh, like high school and sports pride wear. And all of these things are different. If you go and say, all right, you all have to go to this one website that looks the same, acts the same, has all the same questions on it and doesn't necessarily make sense to everybody in those different you know, kind of groupings, that might not be the best call. In a, an age where we can very easily have separate stores that all funnel into our same order chain, it's totally fine for you to go out and say, all right, um, like I always talk about my first niche and since I pick on myself first, it makes it easy. Uh, I had this thing where I, I sold tote bags that had folk music instruments on them, weird instruments people didn't have any merch for. And I made merch because I was somebody who played them. So uh, I made this merch and my website, the style of the, the uh, bags that I chose, the logos that I was using, everything that I did was toward this kind of folksy home wood grain you could imagine the thing that i'm talking about because the people who were doing this stuff were like people who were playing appalachian mountain dulcimer like that's the people who were going to this site to pick it up but they still some of them were still into it but they still wanted that aesthetic they thought it was interesting they liked the weird stuff that was kind of the concept of hey i play this thing not everybody knows about but it's still something with some history to it you think about that identity of the, the person who's doing that stuff and then you say, all right, how do I market to them? And that doesn't mean that I wasn't still me, the me who was, you know, doing work for FDNY at the time, or the me that was selling garments into department stores on a larger scale. Those people were all there, but that small boutique site that I made just for them spoke directly to them. You can still authentically be yourself and craft your, your message toward the people who need to get that message. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's best when you vibe with that niche yourself when you understand that niche, or at least you've taken the time, because part of this can also be research. Everybody assumes, we talk about our first and easiest niche market, and we talk about this in our consumer interactions as well, but our first and easiest niche market is one to which we belong ourselves so that we understand the lingo and we can speak you know, as they do, talk the talk and know what the culture is. 
you can also help serve a niche by doing research. You can make it a research project and say, I'm going to go find out as much as I can about this niche that I'm interested in. I'm going to talk to the people, ask them real questions that are pointed towards serving them better, mm-hmm. make up some customer profiles, and then market to that. And that doesn't mean you're being inauthentic. It means you're serving these people in a way that you feel like they want to be served. That's fine. I think that's the thing. The first niche, we always talk about that first niche because it's when people are having a trouble getting to niche marketing or find, getting to sales at all because it makes you more comfortable. But your next niche, the thing that you expand into, the next market you get into, you might have to do research. And I think that's fine and it still can be authentic even if it's not, maybe it's not your native waters you're swimming in. You can still research and get there. And I think that actually leads back to caring and listening. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, very, very good a lot stuff. Of, a lot of words for simple concepts. Sorry, that. that's probably my brand right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you know, this is this is the other thing I think is important for people to understand. Right, is is we all do come at these things from different perspectives. You know, for, for me, I yeah. spend most of my time working with newer businesses that are trying to build a foundation. Right, and so for me, I, I want to simplify it down as much as we can. And, and you're right, right? When you talk about niche marketing, uh, my focus is always about let's find one to focus on first. You know, I, I get that you can have multiple, but we're not there yet. Right. And, and so it, it's, it's kind of where all of our perspectives come from. And, and that's the same thing with each person's business, right? Your perspective is going to be what kind of, feeds into what you do and, and how you market and, and who you are. That's authenticity, all that kind of stuff. So I hate um, to jump in on that, but also imagine if someone came to you with an opportunity and you know, you can serve them, you can treat it like a niche that, you know, by getting to know it. I think that's the other thing too. Yeah. Like people, I didn't start out in, in doing, you know, movie stuff, but when it came to be where people needed it done and I learned what they needed, I became someone who did movie stuff. Yeah, I did absolutely. patches and stuff for, you know, for movie and TV production. I, that was not our original niche. We weren't people who came from it. I never, you know, I've never been on the set, but we learned what they needed and we became part of that. I guess the thing is that people, I want people to understand there's still growth potential, even when you are, like I said, being authentic. Like you said, I don't want it to be a crutch. Don't let it be a crutch where you can only serve one market. If the market Mm -hmm. comes to you, there's no reason why you can't become, you know, someone who's versed in the market and who knows that customer. Well, you, and you, you can't be uh, so cut and dry that, oop, nope, it's not the niche that I wrote in my, <laughs> on my yellow legal pad four years ago. Sometimes you find the niche, sometimes the niche finds you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, I know a lot of people yeah. that are, you know, have niche areas that they focus on that, yeah, it, it came to them. And so, yeah, you do have to listen to your customers and, and understand because a, a niche has also got to be something for you that, um, you know, you can do and do well. Right. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, there's a lot of business in X. But if that's not something that you're good at or you can't become good at uh, very easily, you know, like I know a lot of people that do sublimation um, plaques, right? That, that sure. Not plaques, but um, what's the stone stuff? Subless slate type stuff. Yeah. And, okay. And I have always struggled with that, right? You know, for whatever reason, uh, it's just never been a product that I've been good at at making. So for me, it's like, gosh, I, is there that market out there? Uh, absolutely. But, you know, those things cost you t- 10 bucks a piece just blank. And, and so ruining those over and over again, it takes a lot to be, <laughs> be efficient with that. So that's the other part of our niche is, right? It has to be something that, 
that we can do and, and make repeatable. And, and I think that might be where other people will struggle is they want to be all things to everybody, right? I, uh, your, your catalog is here's the, the Sanmar brochure or here's the, you know, um, the entirety of yeah, Connie's got 5,000 different sublimation blanks. So Which yes, this is what I can make. Right. And, <laughs> and then you get this product and you can't make it and you struggle and, and now you're focused all on that effort. Whereas if you go, you know what, I am the, I'll just use my wife as an example. She does really great at these ceramic ornaments and, mm-hmm. and just can crush those things with, I don't understand. We've got two different presses. We've got a 16 by 20 and an 11 by 15 size. And she insists on using the 11 by 15 size and just keeps cranking them out. Right. And, and, but yet I could use the 16 by 20 size and because my personality and the way I, my focus level <laughs> and, and probably screw up, you know, double the amount, but yet I'm thinking I'm going more faster because I'm doing more. Right. So it's just get good at, at something and, and become that person. And that becomes your niche too. Right. So, well, I mean, that's and repeat. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's also awareness of yourself. I mean, it's awareness of yourself and awareness of your market and, isn't it all just coming down to listening? Once again, it's listening and it's communication. And that includes the conversations you're having with yourself. Yeah. I mean, the, the poorest person to lie to ever is yourself. Yeah. Because <laughs> it never <laughs> it never ends well and you always knew. That's yeah. the <laughs> There's this point in time where you realize you're like, okay, I knew this was going to be like this. I knew it was yeah. going to be like this from the moment I started lying to myself and saying I was you're going into... to do X thing differently. <laughs> Your internal voice is going, you're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's the hard part. A lot of us want to do everything for everyone. And I'll, I'll fully admit it. Uh, I like the one-stop shop. I do. I, you can make the one-stop shop work under certain circumstances. And some people like you're at a small underserved market and people want a local place to go. Sometimes that one-stop shop is a great way to go. And you're just going to have to muddle through the stuff you're not best at. But my, my personal belief is you can also do the dream team setup, especially if you're somewhere where you have access and everything is a short ship away these day, days yeah. well when the shipping's yeah. working. Uh, yeah. So building a, that dream team is the other option. You can say, I have these people I go to who I trust. They send me work. I send them work. And we make it about like, what do we talk about? The co-op petition, right? Yeah, we might be in overlapping places, but sometimes we go to the expert for the thing that makes most sense. And as a digitizer, this is the, the story I always bring up. I had one person I used for animals. I can digitize a dog as good as anybody else, or at least decently, but there was a lady who did individual pets with their fur patterns and exact placement of, of individual patches of hair and everything. And she did this stuff incredibly. And it was, she was a lot faster than me because I took too much time doing them. I hired her to do digitizing of animals. Everybody's going to be like, Eric, the digitizing guy hired in a digitizer. Absolutely. Number one, she was great at it. She had a natural hand to it that I didn't seem to get or a very practiced hand, one or the other. And uh, number two, I'll be honest with you, it's not the best use of my time. I'm slower at animals than she is, and I produce work that I don't think is quite as good as hers. So I sent those off to her all the time. If somebody came in with their you know, show animal, their champion show animal, I'm like, I know exactly who I'm going to call, and I'm going to make sure she gets that money. She yeah. is excellent at this work. And it left me to do logo work and patches and also efficient work, work that was more of the corporate spectrum that was the best for me. Yeah, uh, And that's just part of knowing yourself too. You have to know sometimes you're like, yeah. all right, I can take this on because I want the challenge, but I better understand that I'm spending my own money on d- personal development today by taking a job on that's probably not as profitable. Yeah, Or I can let somebody do it who's doing the work well and build a partnership that's going to serve me down the road. Yeah. So all of these things, I think, come together. Yeah. It's just knowing yourself. 
for sure. Well, Aaron, and, and, I, I see that you have uh, you've, you've taken our outline and already noted part three. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> we, we definitely are part three. So the, real quick though, right. um, back to this one shop stop, uh, one stop shop idea too. Though I, I want to make sure that I'm really clear on this: that yeah. being all things to everybody and being a one stop shop are two completely yeah. different things. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, it, it, yes. If you want to be the one-stop shop for people, um, like Eric said, you know, you're probably going to need a dream team. You're going to need to have outsourced partners because you want to be the very best at what you're doing. And so you need to find outsourced partners that are very best at those other things that you're going to be the one-stop shop for. Um, but being all things to everybody is completely different. Whereas, you know, being a one-stop shop, you're going to serve who your core customers are and you're going to take care of all their needs. But being a one-stop shop that is all things to everybody is going to be anybody that walks in off the street. I mean, like, for example, I, I have uh, people that we work with inside of our success group that, you know, their business, where they're at, the, the smaller orders are just not for them, right? And, and it, they, they will admit every time they take one of those orders because somebody, you know, friend of a friend type thing, it ends up being the biggest nightmare in their, in their business and, and they can't charge enough money for it, right? Terry, you've talked about that, Terry, yeah. a lot. You just can't you can't physically charge them enough money to, to make that a right. job that's going to be beneficial for your business. And mm -hmm. so, you know, being a one-stop shop means really clearly understanding who your customers are. And then again, understanding who your outsource partners are and, and, and doing all that, or, you know, being able to grow to that point where you can bring it all in house, but you have to have enough of a market for it. I think people decide I'm going to be an all one-stop shop because I've been out there at the trade shows buying all the shiny objects. And, yeah. and they get good at none of those things. And, and that's where the problems come <laughs> I, in. I, I, I've mentioned before, Kim, earmuffs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a competitor uh, when I first got in business in a previous century. And, uh, <laughs> and their slogan was, uh, their slogan was, we print anything. And then my seminars always say, but their slogan isn't, we print anything well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. uh, all right. Well, like like Terry noted, I, I did go ahead and break it into part three, and I've already got it on the schedule. So September thirtieth will be part three of this episode, and and part three is going to be uh, a lot about management, so management of your business, management of your staff, day to day operations, and efficiencies. So I know Terry's already excited. I can I'm, see it in I'm, his eyes. I am very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is his wheelhouse. So uh, Eric and Terry will be having a great conversation, and I will sit back and go, "You guys." Are right. Um, so, um, but we did have one other one. I know we're already into bonus time, so we probably can't go too deep on this, but it's kind of what we do here at Two Regular Guys. So I don't know if it needs a whole lot of lip service, but uh, Eric, education, keeping up with the industry. Go. <laughs> do it. <laughs> do it now. Do it today. Do it every day. Never stop doing it. Um, I, I think one of the things that people do is they consider education or they consider working on things to be play. And then they'll say that that doesn't have a place in the business. And I think including play, play has place in our business. Messing around with something because it's cool. If you got into the business because you want to make a cool shirt and then you keep yourself from ever making anything cool again, how much do you think you're going to love this business? Yeah. While you're after you're 10 years in. Um, keep learning. Also, keep learning about things that don't feel like they're your favorite thing in the world. Trust me, I've done a lot of uh, seminars on marketing and e-commerce that admittedly by about three quarters of the way through the seminar, I'm definitely looking around for a way out. Um, there, are, <laughs> Even if it was valuable to me. But what I'm going to say is uh, 
I have always been served well by consuming broadly, continuing to uh, educate myself, continuing to listen to the tides that are around me, to the kind of new streams of things coming around. And uh, I think it's always applicable to some part of what you're doing. And even if the things you learn, you find out are not for you, that's a valuable lesson in and of itself. So I have to say education is incredibly valuable. Some of the hardest times in my career were when I had no place to go for any information and I was just on my own doing trial and error without any, you know, any sort of recourse. But I will also say that was still valuable stuff. And I think the combination of the two, which is the play, the trial and error, mm -hmm. and listening to people who've been there before, listening to people who are also sometimes doing new things that are have been in the business less than you is all part of the education we should continue. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, keep your eyes and ears open. That's yeah. the, the first part of education. The second part is uh, listen to people who know better. Uh, look for people who are doing the kinds of things you want to do and listen. And even when you find that you're going to deviate from their path and make something new, you're going to start with a foundation and you'll be able to avoid some pitfalls if nothing else. Yeah. So, 100%. I mean, education is just, it's critical, but it's also part of education is once again, back down to listening, uh, listening to what's out there, listening to what's around you and just listening to messages from other people with different points of view. Yeah. Uh, all that is part of the education I think we need to do. hundred percent. All right, Terry, your take. Well, um, you know, it, I'm I'm a big education guy, as you know, and uh, even giving education or receiving education, and yep. you know that, that's part of what makes this this business and any business exciting is is you know learning about new things and yeah. uh, you know our friend Lon Winters he does so, some really cool decoration things and and I'm like oh gosh I didn't I didn't know you could do that and and now I'm gonna try it and so. Yeah, I'm all about that. And, and, and seminars, webinars, trade shows, you know, it, it's not just going there and saying, okay, uh, I'm going to buy A or B. It's about learning. And, you know, I always, I've always said, because when I first got started in screen printing, I went to every trade show that I could, and I went to every seminar. And my philosophy was, if I sit here in this seminar for an hour and a half, and I learn one thing that makes me and my business better, it was worth that hour and a half. And so, um, you know, get out there and be a sponge. There's a lot, a lot of poor information out there. There's also a lot of really good information out there and, and, and always be learning, always be experimenting, always be trying new things. And it, and it's going to make your business that, that much more fun and exciting to do in, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad you said sponge Terry, because I, I think education should be, inspiration right like like you said there's a lot of good information there's also a lot of bad information but it, it can all be inspiring in some way it's it's up to you to then figure out and then implement that education into what it is that you're doing and i think you know you talk about uh, uh, being a sponge i think it's really important to to be a sponge and take that stuff in but what happens with a sponge, right? You have to squeeze it out every once in a while. And, and that squeezing out is the taking yeah. action. The squeezing out yeah. is the, the doing. And, and, you know, I've talked about this before, but this whole concept of shelf help, right? I know a lot of people that take in a ton of information all the time and then never do anything with it, right? The information yeah. just sits on the shelf in their head. And that information that you're taking in is only as valuable as the action that you then take with it. And, and I think that to me is what, 
what ultimately education becomes, right? You, you suck it in, but you got to squeeze the sponge out every once in a while, meaning you got to put it on the counter and clean some things up and, 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 and take some action. But, um, you know, then you put it back in to, to soak up some more information. And, and, and it's just a, it's a cycle. And I think everybody focuses so much on the destination of all of these things, right? The destination of, you know, I'm going to be perfect decorator. I mean, Terry's been doing this for a little bit of time, you know, short amount of time. And, and so he knows a lot of things, right? But every day he's still learning and, and doing more, right? He's getting inspiration from people like Lon and he's, you know, doing that kind of stuff. You know, Eric is the same way. He's a digitizer that I think, you know, probably is going to forget more about digitizing than most people will ever know, but at the same time, he's always open. He's always learning. He's always taking in. He's always educating himself. So um, I think that's really important that it's it's about the process and, and the cycle and, and about taking action on it, I think, is what yeah. education is to me. And I'd like to kind of amplify things that both of you guys said. Um, first thing, what Terry said about, and actually what Ramona said, I'll go ahead and say Ramona, Ramona's comment is actually good on this one. She said, what Terry said, just one thing makes it worth it all the time. Here's the other thing I'm going to let you know you don't necessarily know what that one thing is at the end of the class. Yeah. You may take that message home. You may take those notes home. You go reread your notes. If you've bought, let's say conference recordings, or if it's online, you might watch that video a second time. And even then you may not know the one thing because the client may not have arrived yet. That causes you to engage with whatever it is that you learned. Yeah. So keep your ears up. I think you'll find one thing usually from the get go, something you hear during the conference will immediately click with you. Uh, during whatever seminar it is very frequently, but then you don't know what else might be there that will be part of your future kind of makeup, what makes you what you as a decorator or what makes your technique work. And the other thing, Aaron talked about action uh, invariably. It's why I talk about the trial and error. The trial and error is inevitable. The trial and error will come for you. Are you going to mess <laughs> up garments? Yes. I trust me. I will see. I will tell your future right now. Are you going to ruin a garment? Absolutely. If you continue doing this, you will ruin a garment and mess up an order. It is just a matter of time. And in fact, if you're not occasionally ruining something, you're probably not pushing yourself very much or trying new things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is probably the truth. And the yeah. first thing I want to say is like we talked about this just a little bit at the end of the last show. Maintaining the beginner's mindset also means we have to kind of give ourselves a little uh, dispensation before we start. We have to forgive ourselves ahead of time for the fact that we're not going to jump into a brand new technique or even a brand new way of selling or going to social media or even handshaking and doing an elevator pitch the first time and be awesome from the get go yeah. and never mess up. Uh, and I am absolutely guilty of this your first effort not going perfectly is fine and <laughs> it shouldn't make you want to throw the owl in. Yes. You have to jump out and say, all right, I'm going to forgive myself ahead of time for the fact that I'm about to make a mess of things. And funny enough, it goes back to what Aaron said about sales where he's trying, he's like, I'm just trying to get through the no. And I'll tell you this, <laughs> when you're doing brand new techniques, just try and get to the ruin sample. Just be right. like, just get to the one that doesn't work because the other You're one you, ruin, one ruin garment yeah. closer. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention in the embroidery world, at least a lot of what people struggle with are things like a uh, distortion that's natural to the process. You want to know how you counteract distortion, ruin one garment, measure the distortion and counteract it in the software. That's how you literally fix distortion. <laughs> Try yep. on the garment where it's not working. Repeat the same process, fixing the error in the software that you see on the product. You almost can't. In some yeah. cases, you almost can't know how to distort things correctly until the ruined garment happens. 
Well, so I, I, I have a tip. It. I have a tip uh, also that you can say to your customers when, when you ruin those garments. Uh, I think it looks better this way. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's distressed. Learn That's the right. word. It's distressed. It's a, it's a rustic feel. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think well, we've right. covered we'll plenty. We are well into bonus time here. Um, right. But I do want to bring in this comment from Kim Johnson. She says, wait, what? A new story? Because I have to give Terry credit here. I, and maybe I'm just getting up there in years and I don't remember all these stories now. But I don't think I'd ever heard that intern story before, Terry. No, so that, no, that, no, that, no that, that was one. a new one. We got new stories from both of you guys. I don't know wow. what I'm going to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah well, crazy time. I guess. I guess we can do this for another 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. All Season right. 11. <laughs> On the way. All right, everybody. Well, tune in for part three where we get into the management stuff more. Uh, September 30th will be the date on that one. So a little ways out, but uh, part three coming not too distant future. Speaking of not too distant future, Eric, what is coming up for you, sir? Uh, Well, today, you guys know it is Friday. Education Friday means it's time for the take up. Today is episode 123, and that will be stitch type interactions. And we're going to be talking about the different stitch types and how they interact with each other. That's a lot of what people have trouble with in making these things work the way they should. And we'll talk a little bit about how each of these stitch types work and what you can change about those stitch types to make them work with each other. So how does it work on different garments and what happens when you put certain kinds of stitches next to each other or on top of each other, uh, as well as how they work with support materials. So join life, share your experiences and methods. Love to hear more about how you do targeted testing to make things work. It's a lot of what we're talking about today. Like I just said, get into that ruined garment. But if you head over to ericcampbell.com, you go up to the top, there is a tab that says the take up, click on it, and you will get the playlist, the link to my YouTube channel, and the latest video right in the page. Uh, The next thing to watch out for coming up shortly is uh, Expressions Expo Fort Worth coming up fast like a freight train, at least as far as I feel about it. Uh, (laughs) And I've got a pre-show long session on making patches, making smaller patches coming up. So go to impressionsexpo.com. And like I said, end of September, beginning of October, that's the time for Fort Worth. Uh, I will be out there in Fort Worth teaching that, as well as it looks like my editing class, now that they've updated the schedule again. Uh, So we may have a couple of classes for me out there in Fort Worth. Wow, the Eric Campbell wing is definitely happening again. It's a little little smaller than the six classes I taught in January, but I'm I'm thankful for what I got. There, I finally got it. All right, what else, Eric? Uh, That's it. That's it for today? That's it for you. Got it. Got it. All right. Let it go. I will share real quickly, and then Terry will jump to you. Um, you Go get to be it. the headliner this time, Terry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, October 28th and 29th, uh, I will be hosting the Grow Your Business Effortlessly workshop. Uh, you guys may have heard me talking about that. We did it on July 15th, and um, it went so well that the content, uh, everybody was uh, so excited about it that I uh, got great feedback, and I've uh, decided that... Uh, and, and, little secret for everybody here. Those of you that did attend uh, got to realize that the 90 minute presentation that turned into a three hour presentation um, (laughs) because we were doing really cool things and people were growing their business plan and it was working well. So anyhow, uh, I decided that it will continue to be a three hour workshop. We'll just split it up into two days. And um, so that will be happening October 29th, uh, 28th and 29th, uh, oursuccessgroup.com forward slash grow. Uh, more details coming soon. We're getting it all together. But I will say this, uh, our VIP, we are adding an extra little bonus at the end. So 90 minutes on the 28th, 90 minutes on the 29th, and then 
shortly thereafter, we're going to do a 30 minute. Um, some of you might've heard it called like a come as you'll be party. I call it a future you party. This is uh, where we all show up on a zoom call. We agree that we're going to pretend that we're at our idea of success five years down the road. And we're going to have conversations with each other about what's happened. Kind of like a reunion. Hey, you know, so the last five years I've done X, Y, and Z. I've got my book out. I'm, you know, made the <laughs> million dollars in sales mark. And, and it's really cool. It seems really hokey at first, um, but if you allow yourself to play full out, it is so powerful for our brains because our brains start going, uh, how do I make this happen, right? I, I now see that. I now feel that. I have that feeling, that sensation of being at that idea of success. So now, you know, guess what? You, your subconscious goes to work and things start falling into place and, and, and you get there. So um, that's going to be a, an extra bonus that we're adding in there for the VIPs this time around. So check that out. Um, real quick, what else we got here? September 11th, a Small Business Skills Summit. It's going to be bringing 30 experts over 30 days. So if you'll go to uh, osg.link forward slash skills summit, you can check it out. I will be one of the presenters there and my session's uh, called Conquer Fear and Thrive. And then uh, September 15th, I'll be heading to Charlotte, North Carolina for the Graphics Pro Expo. And uh, that that September 15th is the day before the Graphics Pro Expo starts. So that evening, I will be emceeing the Start Here Academy, uh, actually going to be getting together with the folks over there, including the influencers next week to start hammering out more of the details. But uh, I am really excited about this opportunity to kind of have an opportunity to talk with people about the the startup mentality. So even if you're not a startup, I think this is going to be a very worthwhile endeavor to to be able to kind of have that startup mentality and, and grow and build off of that. So you can check that out at osg.link forward slash SHA. And um, last but not least here, oh, two, well, three things. Gosh, I didn't realize all these things are on the calendar. <laughs> Last but not least. Last but not three least. Um, Sublimation Summit in Peachtree City, Georgia, September 23rd. I'll be at that event. It's actually September 23rd and 24th, but I have to scoot out that night because I will be driving to Myrtle Beach, North Carolina from there uh, to be there the next day on September 24th. And I'll be teaching three classes there at Everything Embroidery Market. And then um, rounding out the year, at least for me in the travels, as far as I can tell here, Printing United in Las Vegas, Nevada, October 19th through the 21st. And um, lots of good stuff happening over there at Printing United. So can't wait to see everybody out there in Las Vegas. So that's what's happening for me. Terry, headliner time. You're up. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My my next complete screen printing business course in Chicago with Atlas Screen Supply is sold out on August 27th and 28th, but you can come to the next class I have, which is in at Equipment Zone in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, right outside of New York City, September 10th and 11th. And that same class will be at uh, at Workhorse Products in Phoenix on September 25th and 26th. That class is also filling up very quickly if you're interested in coming to Phoenix. Perfect time yeah. of the year to come. Yeah. Uh, September 30th at Impressions Expo Fort Worth. I'll be in the Eric Campbell wing giving my presentation <laughs> of uh, how to make a living as a full-time garment decorator. And then on October 2nd, there in Fort Worth, training and motivating the best production staff in town. And all my events are on my website uh, at terrycombs.com under tour dates. There you go. 
All we right. Have the best titles, I gotta say. D- Terry does great <laughs> titles for his he does. classes. I'm like he definitely much does. better than what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I just alliterate everything, but Terry <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. All right. Um, so Kim Johnson says this has been a great show and uh, Ramona part three, part three, chanting part three. So thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. All right. Well, <laughs> Guys, we have to go because we've got the half coming up in less than three minutes here. So uh, we have come to the close of another three. Eric, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for bringing this topic up and and giving us uh, three show content ideas out of this. So uh, great job, sir. Thank you very much. And And people like those shows. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Thanks, Eric, also for all the production work you do, pushing all those buttons and giving us all those titles and all those things to make this show better. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, next week we've got decorator Alan, uh, and I'm going to have to work on his name. So I think it's Gaddis, um, but we'll get it right when, when he comes on. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about his 40 years in the industry and, and everything that that entails. So we've had an opportunity to have some like kind of shop talk kind of, you know, and inspirational type stuff here. So Alan's going to be one of those. Can't wait to talk to Alan next week. So tune in same time, 10 a.m. Central time. Absolutely. Until then, I'm Terry Combs. He's Eric Campbell. He's Aaron Montgomery. And we are the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.